listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yesterday morning, I had a colonoscopy, which is why I was not here yesterday. Now, you guys know because we're family and I share a lot of things with you about me and my family and so on and so forth. The last time I had one, there were three polyps that were discovered. And thank God they were benign. But because of that, I had to retake a colonoscopy three years. Normally, it's five to seven. So I had to go in three years. Yesterday, thank God, no polyps. But I say this to you, and this is the reason why I say this. It's very, very important. I don't care whether it's you. I don't care whether it's somebody in your family. I don't care whether it's your wife, your loved one, male and female. Please make sure you get tested for a colonoscopy. I have lost members of my family with colon cancer. My mom lost part of her colon because of colon cancer. I had an uncle to lose his life because of colon cancer. Not to depress you, but to inform you. The one thing, and my family's guilty of it, and I'm sure your fam- some of your families are as well, we hide from doctors. Not trying to go to the doctor. Don't want to go to the doctor. Don't want to hear no bad news. Not trying to deal with that. Got some home remedies that grandma and the family used to run and everything's okay. That may be the case. And I'm not saying it isn't. Do yourself a favor. We are losing, and I've done shows on New York Sports and Beyond forever about folks who would have been in better shape had they got tested, be it prostate cancer, be it colon cancer, be it breast cancer, whatever it is, be it throat cancer, whatever it is. If they had seen and caught it early, they would have had a better chance to fight it off. So that's why I'm sharing this with you because, and I, and I made a promise three years ago, everybody I came in contact to, I was like the Pied Piper. I'm like, I know, I don't mean to depress you, but make sure that you get tested, family members, spread the word out. So I want to say that to you. So that's the first thing. Now let's go to work. I am. In the years I've covered sports, the thing that has been the most entertaining to me, the most interesting to me, is the relationship between a coach and their team. Okay, that's been the the intriguing thing for me, the relationship between a coach and their team. And people will look at this Knicks team, and they will say, they really don't have a lot of talent. And when you look at this Knicks team, you are right. They don't really have a lot of talent. But no one can deny that this team is better than they've played. All right? Now, we can look at how they played last night against a bad Cleveland team. Cleveland's bad. I got it. Cleveland doesn't have Kevin, didn't have Kevin Love last night. I understand. But this is the same Cleveland team that was good enough to wipe the floor with you a week ago Sunday to the point that the general manager and the president came down and had a press conference after the game. A same Cleveland team. All right. The same bad Cleveland team that you found a way to beat last night. Just the way you found a way to beat Dallas in Dallas and at the garden. But you can't play Sacramento. And so here's the thing that is so intriguing to me. And it's about the relationship between the team and their coach. And while we may not, I'm not sure 
how good the X's and O's coach David Fisdale is. I'm not sure yet. Have I seen some things that had me raise my eyebrow? Absolutely, I have. I've seen some things that make me raise my eyebrow. But nevertheless, what you've seen since the folks came downstairs and had a press conference after that loss, you've seen, for the most part, a Nick team that is much more engaged and giving you much more effort. Now, there's going to be games that they're just going to lose because they're not that good. I can live with that as a Nick fan. I got no problem with that. But my concern here is, as a head coach, what does David Fisdale have to do now to keep this team motivated so that they can improve and continue to improve? That's the question. What can David Fisdale and his coaching staff do to improve the game of R.J. Barrett, to improve the game of Mitchell Robinson? That's the next step because coaches have – their job is very simple. How to execute it is not, but their job is very simple. It is to put their players in the best opportunity to win and be successful. There is to teach players to get better so that they improve along with the team and then the the group improves together. And to have a, a identity and a philosophy so everybody is on board and understands what's happening. The most important way to get that done is very simple. It is to have somebody in the locker room that echoes your sentiments. Who is in the locker room that's echoing the sentiments of David Fisdale? I'll give you an example. When Rex Ryan took over as head coach of the Jets, he brought Bart Scott over. He brought uh, the kid Marshall in the secondary. He brought a couple, a couple of folks, you know, a couple of guys that understood his way of thinking, that understood what he wanted, and was able to be his eyes and ears in that locker room. They were successful, 09 and 10, going to back-to-back AFC championships. As those guys started to leave, as those guys started to their uh, talent started to fall off and they were replaced by other guys, Rex lost sight of what was going on with that locker room, and ultimately it led to his downfall. The relationship between coach and team and somebody in the team to carry on his thought process so it's not like the coach is telling us everything is essential. And these are the things that I'm wondering what's going on with this Nick team. Right now, do I expect this Nick team? Look, I said they could win 28 to 30 games. All right. I don't know if they're going to win 28 to 30 games. Okay. Right now, if you were to say, Larry, I really need an answer for you. I would say probably not. They won't. But then there's a possibility if these guys decide that for the good of themselves, they're able to raise this team level. In other words, I got a one-year contract. I'm trying to get out of here next year. I don't want to be around this. Let me play the best I can so I can get out of here. <laughs> well, then, if they do that, as long as it's within, and as long as they they do that, where it's their individual superiority and bringing the team along, then it turns out to be a good thing. So for me, that's the question. That's what I'm looking for from this Nick team right now. I want to see. And I'm mindful of uh, our Ian Begley. Well, it used to be ours. We still borrow him from time to time. Now he's with SNY. Uh, talking about his report that David Fisdale says that Jim Dolan, 
quoting every game, every game Jim Dolan comes in and gives me a vote of confidence, a pat on my back, and has really been incredibly encouraging over the last year and a half, whenever it's been, continuing to quote, all we talk about is just sticking to the process of making these guys better and building a future of sustainable winning. Well, that's what his job is. And we'll see if he's able to continue to do that job. But for me, the question is, how does he execute it? How does he keep the veterans on this team entertained enough that they want to continue to play well and put this team so that they're not an embarrassment the way they were for a couple of games previously? That's what I want to know. That's what I'm curious to see. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, since everybody wants to chat about it, I've listened to it. We had a chance to talk about it on the drive Sunday night. More information has come out since that show. Alan Hahn had a great show heard uh, doing it. I heard uh, Michael Kay and Stephen A. and everybody talking about it earlier today. Our poll question, which side was most to blame for this weekend's debacle? Was it the NFL? Was it Kaepernick? Or was it both? At Hardest the ESPN, at ESPN New York, 98 underscore 7 FM, ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM, at Hardest the ESPN You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Let's head to the phones. We begin with Brian in Brooklyn. Brian, you're up first on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry. How are you? I'm doing good, Brian. What's happening? First of all, you do a great job. Thank you, sir. Um, I got three quick points. Just give me, hear me out very quickly. Firstly, on Kaepernick, you know, and the Knicks, the one thing they got in common is Kaepernick and the Knicks. And I don't think anyone's really, you know, really that interested in either of them. The Knicks haven't done anything in really a long time. And Kaepernick, I think the NFL and Kaepernick are handling everything just terribly. Mm -hmm. Um, The big thing is my son, my 12-year-old son, Pinch, told me to call up. He's really, he hasn't seen a Yankees, you know, World Series. He was born in 2007, and he thinks the Astros debacle here is really terrible. And I think as a parent, you know, just from a perspective of today's youth, I mean, it's really, if this stuff is true, you know, it's really a bad example for, for, for the children. And I think that's a big reason why the, the MLB should come, really come down on these guys. The question, Brian, and I agree with you, and thanks for the kind words. Here's the, here's the issue for, for Major League Baseball right now. What do they do? It's two years past that team that did that. So how, how do you punish them? Do you punish the, you can't punish the players because as Alan mentioned, most of them aren't on the team. If you punish the team, then you're punishing guys who, unless they did it again this season. Now there was some talk about banging garbage cans and whistling and all this other stuff that happened this season. So if we're looking at a chronic behavior of the Astros, then yeah, I think you may have to go back and, uh, take away Whatever you do is going to be past tense. So there's really no good way to do it. Do you not allow them into the postseason this year? Is that what you do? Is it, okay, here's the deal. You will definitely, you can win as many games as you want this year. You're not making the postseason. You're not going to postseason. Period. Done. Okay, well, that hurts this, these season, this guy's players. Well, hey, guess what? You go back to, go back to colleges when they've had suspensions and, and titles taken away and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no postseason for something that happened in the past. Well, guess what? That hurts the guys who were there. 
There's no real way to solve this where you can get the retribution to the folks who are there unless you go to the front office. You're telling me A.J. Hinch is no longer the manager? He's out? Okay, I can deal with that. You're telling me the president, the general manager are out? Okay, I can deal with that. But there has to be a punitive way to make sure that other people don't say, you know what? It's worth it if we got away. They got a championship out of cheating. And, you know, they got a championship out of it. How do you, how do you, what's the best way to do it? You can throw up a bunch of different ways. Uh, maybe going forward. Okay. Here's what happens as of this, as of now, if we catch these things happening. Okay. There's no championship. You're suspended. You don't, we'll, we'll take your title. We'll do that. May have, they may have to do something going forward, but I'm not really sure guys how you can penalize the past. I'm not really sure how you do it. it it's a tough thing, but I do know this. Something needs to be done because this is more than, gamesmanship this is not well okay if you this is not um Strasburg saying okay I was tipping my pitches in the first inning I made the adjustment and so now I got better this is not that this is okay that's that's gamesmanship that's okay he's tipping his pitches we watched him we did some film study we know what he's doing when he does this he throws a curve when he does this he throws a fastball that's not what this was this was out and out. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's what this was. And yeah, that's got to change. 1-800-919-3776. Freddie's in Baltimore. Freddie, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Hey, what's going on, Larry? How you doing this What's morning? up, partner? Hey, man, I, I love the point you were making about the Knicks and the presence and the, and, um, the players in the locker room. Mm-hmm. To me, the two people that, that, that I, I see that you're talking about got to be Todd Gibson. And Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson is uh, um, it, since since this run started, since they have been starting him, he's the one that everybody respects. He's the one I've seen him tell Frank, "Come get this ball," mm-hmm. and, and and I almost think I heard him yell um, to to um, to Randall, "DM up," you know, and he's the only one that can yell "DM up" to our six, sixty million dollar man, you know. <laughs> the coach and, needs and to tell him to D it up. That's who. That's just, the coach and the coaching staff needs to tell him to D it up. <laughs> and then Marcus Morris, you know, he got that 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 presence. Yeah, that's why I'm a little bit worried, Larry. Are you worried that not only are we gonna miss his, his basket if they trade him at the deadline, but his presence in the locker room? Trade? Who's that now? Marcus, Marcus Morris? Morris. Yeah. Well, Freddie, here's the thing, my friend, and, and thanks for the phone call. It depends on what I'm getting for him. If I'm getting something substantial, I'm willing to miss him because is he, is he going to be the future of this team? I don't know. Is he going to want to continue to stay and be a part of this squad going forward? I don't know. That's the question. If you think he can be an integral part of this team and you can use him, and he's going to be a guy that will push this team and help elevate the team and help change the culture in the locker room. Okay, then you keep him. If you can get something for him because he's on a one-year contract, one year, and you already have a player like him in Julius Randle who's on a multi-year deal, who you wouldn't get rid of till next year because next year would be his next year would go into the, his expiring contract. I mean, I like what Morris has done. I like his attitude, his shot selection. I like what he's brought to the table. 
But I got to see more from, I need to see more from both these guys because these are veteran guys. Taz Gibson, you're right. He's been that guy. You could see that. You could see him one of the few guys who communicates on defense other than Mitchell Robinson. But I mean, you know, I need more from Taj Gibson because here's what happens, Freddie. Guys who yell and scream and tell you what to do, if they don't get a lot of playing time or they aren't effective on the floor when they do, you know what happens? People start to tune them out. People don't, people don't listen to them all the time. They just don't because they're like, okay, he ain't really playing. And what's he telling me? What's he telling me? He's really not playing. And he's going to yell and scream at me to move. Get off the court. Get get off the bench. So it's going to be interesting. But really, if you're David Fisdale, you know who you really, really want to buy into what you're saying? Who you really, really want that person to be the voice in the locker room? Who you really, really want to know what's happening and to carry forth and put, put this team on your back? That would be R.J. Barrett. That's who really needs to do it. You love the veterans, but you need the young kid, the rookie, who is supposed to be one of the best players on your team. That's who needs to carry your message. But is it too much to ask of him to carry that role in a leadership position this soon? It might be, but that's what happens when you're a number one pick. That's also what happens when you trade away a guy like Kristaps Porzingis. Because in I'm theory, he would have been that guy. Yeah, but but I don't know that he would have fallen in line with David Fisdale. I don't know if he would have had the message. I don't even know if he wanted to. I, at this point in time with him, Ty, I understand what you're saying, but for me, he would have to play a season before I listen to him, what he's got to say. He'd been sitting on the bench in suits most of his time with the Knicks. Yeah, but the last you saw him, he was an all-star. Yes. So just Which was what? Year and a half? Yeah, two years ago, but so, or yeah. two seasons ago. So I, but I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, that, that's what you're. Gonna yeah, you're, but that's what you're lamenting about. You're right because, and you're lamenting that because Dennis Smith Jr. has not shown you anything. Nope. So you're looking like, what did we get for him? We we gave Porzingis away, not not remembering that he kind of really didn't want to be here, and remembering that a lot of people were saying, well, you know. What's he bringing to the table? Can he play a full season? Is he healthy? But What's also, are you the reason he didn't want to be here? Like, is there something that you were fundamentally doing wrong within the organization that caused him to decide, you know, I, this is not where I want to spend the rest of my career? I would have thought that that would have left when Phil Jackson was kicked out. Because that was the person. Remember, Jackson was trying to trade him. That was the person. Once Phil Jackson, I'm saying, Ty, once Phil Jackson left, why did David Fisdale go over to Lafayette if he would, if what, that trip was wasted. He went over there, he might have had a good time, <laughs> but as far as goodwill and it's going to change and, you know, hang with me and, you know, we can go this, I can help you out, I can make you a winner. It didn't work. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he, it was obligatory to try to, you know, ingratiate himself with the, the current star on the roster, but mm-hmm. it didn't mean anything in the end, right? It sure didn't. He might as well have stayed here. <laughs> Nick could, have, Nick could have saved that money. <laughs> Got another free agent. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Spikes in Jersey. Hey, Spike, you're next on 98.7. 
Good evening, brother Larry. Glad you got me on. Running out of gas for an old man. Thanks for that PSA opening. You, you hit me. I got to take care of some things. That's right. Come on, Spike. I Step know. it up. I'm going to, man. It's on you, too. You, you did it for me, and uh, and it makes me happy. To, I just wrote it down. and Excellent. Make the, make the appointment in the morning. Excellent. I really will. Because Good job. You, you hit me home, man. You really did. I should have done some of this stuff way back. Anyway, okay. Now, here's my thing on uh, one, one quick comment on Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, I think he has an agenda going in, and uh, you want you know it's all so contrived to me, and, and more power to him. Whatever he wants, if he's happy, fine. But uh, he played the NFL, and uh, they used him, and, and he used them back, and uh, wherever it winds up, I think it's where it's, he's going to want it to be. If you follow me, I think he wants wants to make his point and do it his way. Some people are like that, and that's mm-hmm. fine. I wish the young man a lot of luck. I don't approve the way he's doing it. I wouldn't do it that way, but maybe ends justify the means. Anyway, more important, uh, not more important, but my, my angle with you. And Alan mentioned, I only caught you at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. About, uh, what do you say, an asterisk next to a Nick game or something? Uh, the other night, they didn't play with, yeah. uh, with Kevin Love. They didn't play with Larry Nance Jr., okay? They played with uh, 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 Gall, uh, Winston Garland's kid at, at guard. Mm-hmm. That played five games in college and was drafted high. They played with the other kid at guard. They played the night before. Uh, and they still shot almost 50% from three-point range. Mm-hmm. Was, and, they, and they lost by 20 points. Yep. Uh, we broke down the game again. You know, I love doing it. It's like what you like to do. Everyone has a thing to do. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 not only were their closeouts horrible, because they shot, I think, 48 or something percent, Cleveland. You can look it up, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But I never saw more guys go down the middle in my life. Now, these kids are real small and real quick. Yes. And they had a mismatch. Now, yep. The reason the Knicks won is because, again, I have a box. It don't matter now. I could, I could repicture the game, reconstruct it in my old brain. They didn't turn the ball over at all that night. It right. Just, and they out-rebounded them. So you're mm-hmm. going to win the game. You had a team that was tired, came in, and they were undersized and undermanned. They couldn't lose to that. They couldn't lose that, that game. The big thing's going to be tomorrow night at Philly. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't get blown out. Philly, as a shooting team, is not as good as they were when Redick was there. Right. right. Okay. So don't do that. And then the schedule gets tough. Listen, I don't see much. I'm not. Uh, Randall had a decent game. He had a decent game. I'll, I'll give him all the credit because he's a bucket scatter. Morris, the young fellow before me, I think, called up and mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of guys did. Morris is playing good enough. He'll go to a contending team. And we'll get a, if we can get a draft pick, that's, that's decent. I would grab it right away because he's not a keeper. Mm-hmm. So, so you don't have a guy there. And whoever mentioned Porzingis, he, he, he definitely would be that guy. Mm-hmm. And you were forming the words to say it. And I'm listening uh, on the phone. I'm saying it's got to be the kid, the young fellow. We yeah. there. Got to be him. Uh, and Ty said it. Is he, is he too young? He may not be too young after 50 games, averaging 37 minutes a game. He'll pick up his free throw shooting. I noticed, you notice he's tucking his arm, arm in a little more. They're working with him. Mm-hmm. We finally got a draft pick to, 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 to build around. Porzingis wanted out of here. Good riddance. Good luck. Now he's on a team with a guy that's going to be a first team all star, all pro, and uh, but he'll run out of gas in about sixty five games. Yeah. I don't like load management. I thought I took full tires. Big Laker fan. But LeBron is playing when he's feeling like playing. He's playing all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't like what they're doing to Kawhi Leonard. I don't. Li- I don't like it because I think at the end of the year these guys are all of a sudden going to have to play. All right, the first round of the playoffs is twice a week, but after that, they're going to have to play every other night. Mm-hmm. And someone's going to give on that. I'm hoping tomorrow night, I'll try and stay up until an early start at 7. Yep. I hope they're not embarrassed, because if Philly shoots 42, 43% from three, it's over. It, it, it's over. <laughs> it's over. 
the, you look up the stats. You watch the games. Again, the, the, the distance between, if they're going to let you come down the lane and not knock someone on his ass, they got to knock someone down. Yep. I, who, do they have a guy to do it? I, my guess would be Morris. Yeah, he's got the right temperament to do it, Spike. Yeah, all right, well, good. I'll listen to the rest of the show. Either Sounds good. Morning. Thanks for that tip again. I'll, no problem, I'll, my friend. Bye. All right, take care. 1-800-919-3776. Listen, <laughs> you're playing a Philadelphia team. Who? How are they going to deal with Embiid inside? How are they going to deal with that? I don't know. How? Who's going to, who's going to deal with him? And he can shoot the three. He's going to come outside and shoot. You know, listen, the speed is killing the Knicks. Cause guards just go past people. And here's the thing. You can't switch on everything. Stop switching. People have to defend their guys. That's the way it is. Stay with your man. Stop switching. Don't switch. You, and, and, and you never switch. Big for small. Never. Why would the big man go take a smaller guy when and he's going to put him on the string? You never switch in that case. Fight through the screen and go around. That's what you have to do. 1-800-919-3776. Mark's in Newark. Hey, Mark, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Good evening, Larry. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great, partner. What's up? Oh, man, oh, I got to say it. Okay, it's Tuesday. Me and Ty was talking, and he goes, Mark, I haven't heard from you. <laughs> it was good catching it with him before our call. Yeah. Um, but um, it's Tuesday, and this game is Sunday. And i got to tell you, Larry, this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. The identity of our defense with Greg, this, this game, it, it seems to me over the years, it's always been that watershed game with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And usually, it, usually it's in Oakland. Right, <laughs> exactly. we got a year this time. Um, what what I'm looking for is for this coach who's he's really necessarily winning me over. When when I saw when I saw four different touchdown passes, one to our burner, two to our tight ends, one to our hand slot guy, uh, Y guy. Oh, and when I seen the running game score, just just grind and ground and town. When I seen Sam with the play action, the boots and the moving around and the comfortable comfortability that he has in the pocket, he, he's starting to be real comfortable in this offense. So here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for one of those. You know, you got to scheme and you got to do all those other things. But at the end of the day, when you play the Raiders and when John Gruden, Chucky is going to bring his team here. I'm looking for us to be like this here. Punch you in the mouth. This is a punch you in the mouth game. This is a game where this coach can really get big time respect from Mark from North because I want to see a punch in the mouth game. And when they leave here, they know. It ain't going to be no trick plays, no quarterbacks throwing it to the running back to throw it to the none of that. No Philly special. No, no. It's, it's, it's between the tackles. Just use all four of our running backs. Just keep the tight end in the game. And the main focal point, actually, because not only can he block, but he can catch the ball to uh, special teams. I'm looking for I'm looking for them to just be a more aggressive and try to score points and flip the field and all of that stuff. Bottom mm-hmm. line, I want to see a punch in the mouth game and send the Raiders a ripper in their gray and black team back to the black hole where they belong. <laughs> and then, then I could be like, you know what? Yeah, I like this coach right here. I want I want some, some blood on his knuckles. What do you think? Mark, this is going to be, and thanks for the phone call, this is going to be a very, very 
interesting game on Sunday. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. So I'll get to the calls in a second. Rex Ryan, and I love Rex. I enjoyed covering him. I was embedded with the Jets during those years. Embedded. Staying on the sidelines freezing (laughs) on game day. Checking out Rex Ryan. Here's what Rex had to say about Colin Kaepernick. Listen carefully. The NFL doesn't have to have this kid play. I'm sorry. And and what I see on the video is, look, if you want to break down the little video, see, hey, is he throwing the ball behind him? Is he too much air on his deep ball? Yeah, all those type of things. But that wasn't about this. As a coach, I don't. I, you don't want the circus in your locker room. And I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Is it going to be worth, you know, all the extra media? You're going to have a, a backup quarterback, you know, having press conferences and all those type of things. And, and part of being a backup is accepting your role. You push the starter, but you accept the role as a backup. And we see right now, is, is he going to be happy in a backup role? Or his people? All I hear him say is, we did this, we are whatever. That means he, him and his whole entourage is going to come in as a coach. I don't want it. I can promise you that. Now, what he's saying, for the most part, I understand and agree with. We're talking about, you know, we and entourage and stuff like that. But, come on, Rex. Come on now. If you're saying nobody wanted the circus, nobody wanted disruption, then explain to me why three times a week I was standing there in a huddle among a huddle of reporters talking to Tim Tebow who wasn't even the quarterback. He was the he was the punt return protector. They did line him up in the slot once, too. Kyrie. Ty. He was the punt return protector. He spoke three times a week. He spoke Wednesdays. He spoke Friday. And he spoke on game day. If the game day was Sunday, he spoke after the game. The punt, I'm, he wasn't even the backup quarterback then. He was the punt protector. And he spoke three times a week. Three. Come on, Rex. Come on now. Please. That's a circus. We're not even going to talk about what happened up in, in, we're not even going to talk about what happened up in Cortland. When they said, See, he's gonna make me go there. Here's what they said. Ty, Kyrie, we got a, we got a message. Hey, he's having a private workout. Tebow's having a private workout. Nobody's gonna immediate, no, no fans. So we get to see. Come on now. And once again, I'm not comparing before y'all go crazy. I'm not comparing Tim Tebow with Colin Kaepernick. What I'm comparing is the thought of a circus. That's what I'm comparing. I'm not comparing the two players. They're two different. They're two different guys. I respect Tim Tebow. He was guys outstanding college player. Did well in his situation in Denver. Did well. But I mean, you talk about when you talk about not wanting to deal with the media, that's who we were talking to. 
That's what I'm talking about. So when we discuss that, okay, when you're talking about whether, you know, the NFL doesn't have to have him in there, Rex is right. The NFL doesn't owe him a job. They don't owe him a job. They don't. I agree with Rex 100%. You talk about what he saw, break it down and everything. I agree with Rex 100%. He's right about that. My only thing that I had an issue with is talking about circuses in the locker room. That's what I had a problem with. 1-800-919-3776. Eddie's in Manhattan. Eddie, you're next on 987 ESPN. Hey, what's up? How's everything? What's up, Eddie? Listen, you're touching on Kaepernick in a circus environment. You know, you're talking about Tebow, but Tebow was all positive. Kaepernick is negative, and that's, I think, what Rex was talking about as far as the circus going. I don't think he was necessarily talking about the fact that there's reporters clamoring around one individual, you know, and uh, I just think you got to talk apples and apples and not apples and all. Well, Eddie, to me, when he says circus, a circus is something negative. It takes away from the team. What he's saying is that now other players are going to have to discuss what the fact that Callan Kaepernick's in the locker room. Well, other players had to discuss the fact that Tim Tebow wasn't the quarterback. And other players had to discuss. So for me, once again, I'm not comparing the situation. I'm not comparing the players. I'm comparing the situation. And to me, as far as answering questions about Tim Tebow, which is a distraction, and answering questions about Colin Kaepernick, which is a distraction, Eddie, they're both distractions. See, but how much of a, a distraction really was that whole Tim, Tim Tebow thing? Uh, you know people I mean? felt, uh, that, people that felt that Tim Tebow, here's the thing, and, and Rex mentioned it, about feeling that he should be pushing to be the quarterback. Eddie, you know there were a number of people that thought that Tim Tebow should have been quarterback in that team. That's why he was brought there. Why isn't Tim Tebow playing? When Mark Sanchez threw an interception, why can't Tim Tebow play? Tim Tebow could throw an interception just like Mark Sanchez. Why did they bring him here and not play him? So these were distractions, Eddie, and, and that's the point. I understand what you're saying now. Thanks for the phone call. I get what you're saying. But I'm saying is that he's talking about what is a distraction, period. And that led to a circus. And, Eddie, I'm telling you, people coming in and out doing stories on Tim Tebow who wasn't even playing. He was, once again, the punt protector on the Jets. Punt protector. 1-800-919-3776. 1-800-919-3776. Paul's in Somerset. Hey, Paul, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, Larry? How you doing? I'm good, man. I, I, I'm sorry to, to uh, go against what y'all doing. I, I'm big Jet fan, big Met fan. Mm-hmm. You know? But um, I was calling about the, the uh, Stephen A. Smith thing. Okay. And I'm, I'm like real, real late. I'm a truck driver, so I just got home. And um, I'm, I'm also a producer, uh, uh, an artist, and everything. I, I came up with a a song that will just just guide those people that are are misinformed that will that will understand what he's doing. I got that song. So if you give me a form, get just 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 let me give me that the uh, email address to send it through. I will put it in, in if you can put it in Stephen A. Smith's hands or his producer's hands and have that he plays songs through. This song should open his day and i promise you when he hear it he'll say yeah that's it it will it will make all those those doubters and everybody understand that this is this is wrong all right paul i'll put you on hold 1-800-919-3776
We'll see. We'll get get this information. We'll see if we can get him an email address that he can send um, this this song that he's got for uh, to to bridge the gap between Stephen A. and the Black community. Put him on. We'll, we'll take care of it. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Roscoe's in Brooklyn. Hey, Roscoe, you're next on ninety eight seven. Larry, so whose side are you on with this whole debate with the Kaepernick situation? Like, I'm just trying to get. I'm, I just want to be clear on that first before I get to my point. I'm not. I'm disappointed that I'm disappointed in his comments, Roscoe. Afterwards, I'm disappointed that he changed the venue at the last minute. His attitude. His attitude was stunk. He, he was so. He. It's like he was raging. I felt like he was. How are you going to tell your employer? Someone that you're trying to get a job for, we're here, we're ready. Like it was so aggressive. Your deliver, his delivery was off, and and you know, Stephen, Stephen, I'm glad Stephen brought it up. This guy doesn't want to play football. He just wants to make a mockery. And I get the situation of whatever's going on with all the freedom rights and all this crazy movements. And we have this has been going on since the 40s. The 50s and the 60s, it's going to keep going on. I just feel like Kaepernick, he had his opportunity to just, and he, he, he laid an egg for us, man. He didn't make us look good. Well, first of all, Roscoe, thanks for the phone call. Uh, he didn't represent me. He was representing Colin Kaepernick. I didn't take it as he was representing me. I took it as here was his opportunity. After saying nobody reached out to him, nobody gave him a spot, Nobody gave him the opportunity to do anything. He was his chance. And for me, there were several things. And I'll repeat it again, Roscoe. I wasn't happy that he changed the venue at the last minute. I mean, 30 minutes before you were supposed to move, you have to push everything back? Come on now. If you didn't like what was going on, change it earlier. But on the other side of it, personally, if it were me, he did what he wanted to do. If it were me, I am so confident in what I'm able to do, I would have balled out under your unfair circumstances, under your unfair situation. I would have showed up. I'd have thrown the ball over the yard. I'd have shown you what I could do under your, under what, under the limitations that you put on me through that whole situation. I'd have, I'd have showed up and shown what, what I could do. That would have been me. He chose to do what he wanted to do. Once again, I have no problem with him changing the venue. I have no problem with him saying that he wanted to bring his own photographers. I got no problem with him saying he wanted to have his own receivers. I got no problem with that. None. But if you're going to change the venue, change the venue early enough so everybody could get there. What you did was you gave people a built-in excuse. I don't know whether they were going to change it. I don't know if they were going to give you an opportunity or not. My thought process is probably not. But here's what you did. You made sure that they had the opportunity to say, well, he moved everything. No, you're supposed to continue to make it look like it was them. So I would have showed up at your spot, balled out, and said afterwards this. We're out here. We're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team, I interview with any team at any time. I've been ready. I'm staying ready. And I'll continue to be ready. And to all the people that came out here today to support, I appreciate y'all. That's what I would have said at the Atlanta Falcons building after I finished my workout. That's what I would have said right there. And I would have stepped off and waited for the phone to ring. 
You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Sergio's in Jersey. Hey, Sergio, next on 98.7. Larry, how you doing? What's going good. Happening? What's happening? Uh, just Yeah, just, uh, you know, like a caller earlier had invidiated that uh, with Kaepernick, with moving it, you know, this whole circus thing, it's, it's reality. It is what it is. Nobody, you know, I know for a fact that if I went to a job and they didn't hire me, I can't sue them for not hiring me. I can't bully them into hiring me. You know, it's, it's basically what he's doing. And then at the end of, of the session, you know, he's bullying the league and antagonizing the league, all 32 owners and all 32 teams. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you do it. That's how you get a job. You know, I mean, Goodell could have squashed this three years ago. You know, it should have been dealt with three years ago. Um, you know, because now I look at it, it's it's done. It's it's nobody's doing it no more. It's over. Um, so I just I just think that it it was it was so um, unorganized and unprofessional and and more gangster like than anything else. Um, to to go out there and showboat and and you know demean the owners and and Goodell and I just don't get it. I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not Goodell. Whoever the commissioner is nowadays, I forget who he is because he he lost all respect from the league as well and from the fans with uh, with not uh, putting his foot down on it and, and ending it three years ago when he had the opportunity to. I know the league lost a lot of money. I know the teams lost a lot of money. Um, although it's a nine billion dollar a year business, I know they they took a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one more thing, Epstein didn't kill himself. Thank you, sir. All right, thanks for the phone call. So, listen. Here's the thing. Um, do I understand him being angry? Sure do. Does he feel that he's been wrong? Yes. Better way to say it. Yep. Better way to say it. Clearly. You know, but I understand, the, I understand his frustration. If he felt he was being wronged. It's just that, you know, the goal here has got to be a little bigger. If the goal here is to try to get back into the NFL. Now, if he doesn't believe he was going to get back into the NFL, he was just doing this, then what he did was fine. But I really think he wants to play. He wants to get back on the field. I'll tell you one thing, in hindsight, he wish he hadn't opted out of that $12 million with the 49ers a couple of years ago. <laughs> I know he's like... Well, they were going to cut him anyway. Yep. They, they told him they were going to cut him anyway, so it was either... It was yeah. basically either, you know, get fired or resign. Yeah, it was, you know, he, he was sitting behind Blake Bortles. I'm like, wow. Well, wow. remember, he was coming back from an injury. Yep, that's right. But, you know, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. It's not bad. You could do a lot worse than that. You sure could. Chris is in Manhattan. Hey, Chris, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Hey, good evening, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, partner. What's up? Uh, I guess just off of what you guys were just saying, I think one of the factors in that weren't the 49ers absolutely as an organization exploding at that time also. I mean, yes, he he, he definitely had a dip in his play, but after Harbaugh, yeah. I mean, you know, different. and then you started to see the defense, you know, pieces started to, you know, either, you know, um, I guess either retire, some retire from injury, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think that has to be factored into it. But um, listening to your show tonight, and if you don't mind me shouting out, ESPN had an awesome uh, documentary on Coach K and mm. 
his 86, uh, the 86 class, I think it was called the, the class to save uh, Krzyzewski. Mm-hmm. You had a chance to see that. Oh, man, you're going to see Johnny Dawkins do his thing. I mean, it, it just, I mean, I, I was watching that uh, as I was listening to your show, but one of the things that was funny was your frustration with pick and roll defense. Oh, it's driving me nuts. And as I was, you know, as I was holding, you know, because I feel the same way. It's, you know, it's almost like, you know, my frustration with, you know, you have no mid-range game or, you know. Um, but it led me to just thinking, you know, um, that seems to me only on the NBA level. Because when I when watch NCAA basketball, mm-hmm. I don't know. They the, the the pick and roll defense on the on the NCAA level is much better than what I see, you know, from a fund fundamental standpoint. You know why, not, Chris? Not not athletically. You know why? Because mm-hmm. if you don't play, you sit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. You know, you know, and and the next five star that recruit, you know, that was you know is right on the bench, who's breathing down your neck. You know who's giving the team a practice too. Mm-hmm. You know he might be on the floor in a minute. You 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 kind of get nervous when you hear that that ah. You're like, oh shoot, am I coming out? Everybody's um, looking to the scores table. <laughs> um, you know, but other than that, then the other thing was the thing I was laughing at was you were talking about James uh, James Harden, right? Yeah. Getting easier buckets. Yeah. You know, in terms of saving himself. Yeah. But as I was saying, he's already ice in his arm after every game. <laughs> yeah, but 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 think but see, I, I, as I was saying, I think I was talking to Ty. Mm-hmm. I was saying that he actually is in his, it maybe only in his mind, saving himself. You know why? Because you wait, I got to keep up with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> that means I got to run fast, man. <laughs> I got to sprint. First off, you know that's that's transition. You know that's the transition game. Yep. And he's a half court. Let's keep it real. He's a half court boogie monster. You give him the ball and and he's he's and it's just like you said. Oh, he's gonna go through the two to three thing. He's gonna dance on you like Mike Jack, kick the leg out. Mm-hmm. That's in his mind. That takes less less energy than getting out on the break, right? Yep. Catching catching it. Let's say you just catch it. You go into the bucket. You know you're not going uncontested, so you're gonna take a hit with a funny landing. So I mean, in a sense, he he is saving himself. Now I get to the to the Jets. You hit every bullet point. Um, I'm really looking for, especially against Josh Jacobs, mm-hmm. run defense. Run defense. Yeah. I think we could, I, I think, and I'm kind of liking Bless Austin. Yeah, I am too. Um, I'm, 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 I'm surprised. I'm, 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 you know, I think that might be, you know, when you look back, back at all the injuries, whatever, whatever, this is kind of how you start to build depth, you know, because you're seeing, I'm like hearing names that I didn't think I was going to hear, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, especially on the on the D line. What is it? Fotokasi? Yeah. I, I'm a, I wasn't, I'm expecting to hear Williams, 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 you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little goose in there too, you know, uh, Shepard, yeah, but, but you know, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, if they can get if they can get um, Derek Carr in third and longs. Yep, I think I think they can get him turn the ball over. But I agree. for me, it's that one of the things you said was that running game, that running game in the offensive line, and the change up back. You know, yes, cause yes. Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. 
I'm, I absolutely love. Don't 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 get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Bilal Powell hit hit a whole a little different way. He does. You know what it is, Chris? And it's very simple. Style. You're right. And thanks for the phone call. It's where Le'Veon's used to. See, Le'Veon got to still has to make that adjustment. Ty Kyrie, this offensive line, not the offensive line in Pittsburgh. You can pause, and there's a hole, and the hole's still going to be there. With this Jets offensive line, and they got better. It's like, I'm wishing, I'm hoping there's a hole by the time I get there. It's supposed to be in that B gap. I'm hoping and I'm wishing and I'm praying that that hole is there. By the time you pause, the hole was then gone. Where Bilal Powell, he like, I played behind this offensive line. I know. I'm going right through that hole while it's open. Because if I don't, it's going to be closed in a second and I'm done. I'm done. And that was the difference. The change up back was the difference. Matter of fact, he what? Yeah, three or four different running backs back there. Ty Montgomery got a chance to run the football. Uh, uh, this kid Adams got a chance to run. The, it was like three or four different guys running the football, and so the different styles I thought was was good. But um, I'm just saying, look, Le'Veon Bell averaging a little over three yards to carry. I, I I don't know. I don't know what I'm watching. I'm 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 a little concerned, to be honest. I'm a, I'm just a little concerned. That he's not making that adjustment to understand that don't be pausing. <laughs> you got one slot, one chance at that little hole. You may go get through that hole because that hole's no, not going to be there. There's nowhere to run. Nope. And when he's lining up in the backfield, they're going to load up the box and, and force Sam Darnold to, to beat them in the passing game. Yep. And when your pass protection isn't going to hold up, sack, strip sack, interception, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of turnovers. You're better off lining him up in the flat and throwing the ball to him. It's just like a running play. Just throw the ball to him. And that's what they did a lot of in in week one. Exactly. And they did a little bit of it last week, and that's the difference. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.